0: Welcome back to the show. This is Holistic Health Masterclass Podcast, and I am your host, Brett Holtz. Before we hop into today's show, uh, I do have a quick announcement and really an invitation. Uh, For those of you who are following me on social media, particularly Facebook, um, you are well aware that we have a 14-day sugar detox challenge that is coming up this Monday uh, January 29th, so that's when it starts. Um, we've had the Interest has been overwhelming, to be quite frank, and I think that a lot of people after the holidays, um, you know, we tend to eat too much sugar, we tend to sort of stray off the health path uh, when it comes to diet anyway, and uh, for a lot of us, we have a hard time getting back on track in the new year, especially for those of us living in the colder northern climates, Um, you know, we kind of want to hunker down and just eat whatever we want. Uh, So really, uh, this is totally free. Um, all you have to do is join our community group. Uh, Once you enter into that group, uh, you will see in the left hand navigation panel is a dedicated support group where all of the action is going to happen. So I would love for you to join me. Um, I'm going to be there doing it with you. And uh, I've got a ton of resources and educational stuff and support stuff for you to uh, to, to sort of latch onto and read. And then of course, I'm going to be guiding you as well from a nutritional standpoint. So if you want to do that for yourself, um, you know, it's two weeks, Uh, might actually find that that w- would become a lifestyle uh, choice. Um, it's a good lifestyle choice to have. But you might notice some pretty profound changes. Uh, you know, a lot of people just simply cutting sugar out. You-, you might notice that your energy levels are better, that you lose weight, that your skin improves. Maybe not as much gas and bloating and a whole host of other things. So I would love for you to join me. And even if you don't want to join me for that challenge, uh, I would love to see you in our community group um, you know, we've just hit over a hundred members, and we have not been promoting that at all. Uh, really, just been in our our inner circle and close friends that have been uh, joining and spreading the word. So, uh, yeah, I'll leave it at that, um, and let's get on to today's show. My guest today is Frederick Leroy. Uh, Frederick is a food scientist and a microbiologist. Uh, He's a very well-educated PhD and uh, actually teaches at the University of Brussels. And his sort of interest initially, you'll hear in the podcast anyway, started uh, looking at sort of fermentation uh, food preservation with a particular focus on animal products and meat and as he sort of got into that um, he, you know he he sort of uh, branched out into other areas and started collaborating with people and looking at a lot of different angles when it comes to uh, meat and I got to say that this was one of the most enjoyable podcasts um, I've done, just from a conversational standpoint. Um, you know, the, the 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 trend these days is to really uh, and go with a you know more of a plant based diet. Um, we've got Health Canada now that just revised their food guidelines, um, really really pushing for plant based proteins. We have um, a vegan and vegetarian movement that is uh, really. Gaining popularity quite rapidly But there's also on the back end of all of this uh, There is a lot of misinformation Um, We are basing a lot of these quote-unquote facts on very poor data And I think the the thing that you're going to get from this podcast is looking at things from a historical, evolutionary, and biological aspect. You know, so if meat is one of the oldest, dare I say, the oldest form of food. And, you know, we bring up some very, very interesting questions, uh, such as, you know, have we really evolved Um, to biologically speaking, you know, to be able to do without meat. Uh, We talk about meat in the context of different locations, you know, so where do you live? Uh, A couple examples that we bring up are the Inuit population in the Arctic. You know, uh, having followed the Canadian food guide, uh, they just got really, really sick. So uh, we then get into a lot more of the emotional and psychological side of things and really sort of pick apart why, Um, All of a sudden, meat has a bad rap, why it's touted as being so terrible for us, why it has been associated with causing all kinds of disease and so on and so on. So um, what I love about this discussion is that it's a very honest and open discussion. Um, It is also a very nuanced discussion, which is very important. You know, One of the issues that we bring up in this episode is the fact that nutritional research has largely lost its way because... For many people researching this area, we have biases, we have agendas, we have outcomes that we are actually looking to prove. And when you look at the sheer number of variables and the reporting systems in place to try and capture the data – Uh, what you're going to find is a lot of researchers are simply cherry picking over the data uh, to fit their narrative and to fit their um, biases and agenda. And this is kind of why the world of nutrition has become so confusing for a lot of people. And, uh, you, you know, while, while, Frederick and I definitely agree on many, many points. Um, We're also very quick to sort of take a step back and open up the conversation in this podcast and sort of say, well, look, you know, at the end of the day, there's no one size fits all. And to try and move us forward and steer us to a place of sustainability, environmental sustainability, health sustainability, and so on, it's somewhat foolish in a sense to try and push everyone onto the same type of diet. Okay, um, so hopefully I've done a good job at capturing the sort of cliff notes here in the early stages. Right, so I'm going to leave it at that for today. Um, hopefully you enjoy today's show, um, it might ruffle some feathers, uh, that's that's for sure. Um, but always know that we're never intentionally trying to offend anyone. Um, I'm simply trying to sort of leave the emotional side out of these types of discussions and talk about more of the factual side of things. Um, but anyway, if you do enjoy today's show, please consider subscribing and um, also sharing this episode with friends and family. And of course, as always, leaving us a review. Uh, Once again, if you haven't joined our Holistic Health Masterclass community, uh, please do take a look at the show notes. Uh, You can join that uh, totally free and hop on our 14-day sugar detox challenge. So uh, without further ado, I bring you Frederick Leroy. Hi, Frederick. Welcome to Holistic Health Masterclass podcast. Thank you so much. Yes. Um, you know, we've been plotting for quite some time uh, over Twitter to actually get this going on. And uh, <laughs> finally, we, we get a chance to sit down and connect. Um, I'm gonna, I've been following you for a while now on Twitter, and I've always found that the the posts and the stats and the, the sort of angle that you've taken um, on certain things that we'll talk about today, I've found it very interesting and a little bit controversial but you sort of back things up with a lot of really good science and good statistics. And so we're going to sort of get into all of that today. But before we do, um, perhaps give us a, bit, a better sense of what exactly you do and, and how you got into the field that you're in. Right. So
1: I'm, um, I'm a food scientist. Um, actually, I'm an, enge- I'm, I'm an engineer uh, as, as a background. My master's were in engineering, but into bioengineering which is working uh, with processes that are biologically based, right? So I, was, I started to do a PhD about mathematical modeling of uh, microbial um, metabolisms. And uh, I was working on a case of um, meat fermentation. So uh, using microbes to stabilize meat and to preserve meat for, uh, like we always have done since ancient times, uh, making salami, for instance, is, is a meat fermentation process. And I was looking at the very, very fundamentally technological part of that, the microbiology and the metabolism and how that stabilizes the product and, and things like that from an, a, process, a processing point of view. Okay? And then I, I, I developed my expertise more generally into meat products and meat technology, and I became very much interested in the case of meat as a study object. Mm. And because meat is so fascinating uh, from different angles, I I also, you know, worked, um, I I I started to some collaborations with people in different fields, um, cultural anthropologists, uh, historians, communication scientists, to look at meat from a broader uh, point of view, like trying to bring in different perspectives um, because it is a very, very difficult topic. Yeah, it's uh, about nutrition, but it's about so many other things as well.
0: Right. And so I think that's a sort of good, um, a good overview to sort of launch into a few different areas. Um, You know, we talk about, I guess, let's talk about the historical context, you know, and, and off air we spoke about that just in terms of meat being one of the oldest foods, right? Um, you know, and of course, the, the sort of plant-based vegetarian community might argue with that point, you know, saying that maybe we discovered plants first and whatnot, but maybe we can start there, you know, be meat in the sort of historical food context.
1: Yeah, well, it, it, it is, it, again, it is It is pretty obvious that meat has been a fundamental part of our diets, uh, our species-adapted diet since the beginning. Um, when you talk about ancestors, you can go back to any point in time. You could back, you could go back to our uh, um, earliest ancestor, which is uh, a unicellular organism that that thrived on who knows what on on, on an organic uh, sulfur. You know, mm-hmm. you can go all the way back there. But at some point, you have to decide what is our species' appropriate diet. What are we supposed to eat as a species, as Homo sapiens? And and then you would just have to f- accept that meat has been main part of our evolutionary diet. I mean, people sometimes try to get around that, but the data is so obvious that meat has been a fundamental part of our evolutionary diet. And we are, of course, quite flexible. We can manage different kinds of food and and we can have certain degrees of plant material within the diets. And that is all acceptable and we can can deal with that in, in a perfect way. Uh, but we can also live exclusively on animal products. It has been shown. Uh, so we, we are quite flexible, but uh, meat has always been a part of the diet. We don't have vegan um, you know, communities that have been of importance throughout history. They don't well, exist.
0: And, and, and that, that, That's a good question because I've said that for a long time. You know, there's never been a vegan, um, like historically... A, a, a country or a place or an ethnicity that's been exclusively vegan, and mm-hmm. I, I think there's no data to show otherwise, right? Like, yeah, that's cor- well, that's correct, yes, and it's it's theoretically impossible because you would need
1: uh, certain nutrients that uh, wouldn't be there. You need a minimum amount of animal products to have those nutrients. Now, today we can, to some degree, deal with that because
0: we have supplements. Right, but we didn't have those supplements in the back then. Yeah. So, so would you, would you, would you say then that like, cause I had Professor Tim Noakes on the show a while mm-hmm. back and, you know, we sort of started getting into this, but I didn't want to get bogged down uh, with him, especially, you know, we, we wanted to focus on the important things, but, What's your your take on you know people from a paleolithic standpoint eating a high fat, low carbohydrate diet? You know, I mean, just bringing us onto that. Like, do do you think that most societies, historically speaking, were doing that, or what does the data say? You know, can you comment on that? Yeah, well, it, I don't want to enter too much into fields that are not my own expertise,
1: but what we do know is that there have been different. But well, it, it is difficult, first of all, to talk about the paleolithic, yeah, because yeah. it is it is an enormous amount of years and, and time yeah. you know very little about it because we have only fragmentary data but a bit of common sense tells us that those people have especially at certain times like the ice ages you, ha- you had just oh, yeah. past periods that were you wouldn't find uh, uh you know uh, a salad in the middle of, <laughs> of the <beach. laughs> you would have to survive on, on what you find in certain ecosystems and some ecosystems were fundamentally animal based um but then again, you had all kinds of ecosystems. You, Homo right. sapiens has spread all over the planet and had to adapt to every single ecosystem it was finding. Mm-hmm. So um, over over time, we have just uh, you know be able, we've been able to adapt to most places and uh, having certain percentages of of animal foods, but never zero. It was always there, and and that is also right. why it was always. Very important it was always very central because you needed to have those, and it was it, it there was this, um it was a huge emphasis within cosmologies and worldviews that hunting and animal products were very very important to uh, mm-hmm. for the way people looked at 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 the, at the planet at the world at, at their surroundings it was very central to cosmologists. And that is very obvious also in the, the paleolithic art we find uh, today that we have discovered from, from those days, we see that hunting was central in their worldview. Yeah. And, I mean, that, and, that,
0: the, and that's true across the world. I mean, like I've looked at, yeah, yeah, I've looked at a lot of that stuff and yeah, you're spot on with that. Um, so um, I, I guess on that note, then, you know, I would just add, um, it's probably fair to say, I mean, it's it's also obvious that if we didn't have a vegan society historically, and people have always relied on, on meat, and let's just open that up and say animal products, for lack of a better word, um, you, you know, that would change from place to place, uh, which mm-hmm. is... Which is kind of why I chuckle a little bit at the modern-day paleo, you know, where we're having beef and chicken, eggs and stuff. Where if you were really, really paleo, you know, you'd you'd be eating some pretty far-out stuff that, um, you know, that, that you wouldn't find on the grocery store shelf uh, these days. But, <laughs> yes. but anyway, we don't need to go there. And uh, um, no, but I, I think it's 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 an interesting point because indeed,
1: well, honestly, paleo is interesting as a concept, you know, because in a way it tries to bring our diets back to what is biologically appropriate to us but on the other hand sometimes it gets too rigid Um, Mm -hmm. we have been even though it has been in in an evolutionary window it it has been smaller but there has been evolutionary pressure to to develop um you know lactase uh, um the way we digest milk in some populations uh, has been introduced in, in our biological systems for some reason. It has been important for our diets. So we have been adapting since the Paleolithic times, and I don't think we have to really, really try to stick to one universal Paleolithic diet that was was covering the whole of the Stone Age. That yeah. doesn't exist uh, no. throughout the Paleolithic. No. We had different kinds of diets, most likely, and I think we have to have a certain amount of flexibility. Yeah. Uh, it is obvious that our Western diet at the moment makes us uh ill and 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 sick so we have to acknowledge that the way we're eating today is fundamentally wrong and we have to learn from the past and from but but let's not be too
0: rigid about it either Mm -hmm. well i mean so so let's talk about that for a minute because you know when we talk about and i think this is important you know when when we talk about the modern diets quote unquote you know the modern diet around the world yes there's a lot of similarities obviously but meat has really got a bad rap in modern times. And, you know, I've always wondered to myself, you know, it it can't just be because of diets. Like, surely not. Like, we know that there's environmental toxicity and pollution. We know that we're under more stress. The food is, you know, typically more nutrient deficient these days and so on. So uh, I, the way I look at that and, and the question, I guess, is, you know, from a meat standpoint, do you feel that perhaps the type of meat that we're eating nowadays um, is is different in some ways to what our biology has has sort of evolved to become? Like, is there a bit of a mismatch there? Um, because, yeah, and I, I guess I'll follow that, you know, why does meat have such a bad rap?
1: Yes, it's, it's a very pertinent question. It's a very good one. It's a very difficult one to answer because yes, it is okay. very moving, <laughs> dimensional. Uh, there's so many things going on. It is about how we uh, incorporate meat today uh, in our diets. The way we make a diet out of meat is not the same as uh, the way we were doing it before. That's one thing. Mm -hmm. And and there's so many other things. The bad reputation is connected also to um, our interpretation, our, our societal views on meat, which are completely different than the way they were before. You know, The the, the way truth gets established, the way um, truth manifests itself within a society is depending on much more than factual data. It's depending on which actors are talking, what they are saying, what is their background, what they want to achieve, what are the conditions that are shaping a certain narrative Mm -hmm. about truth. And Mm -hmm. the way we look at meat today is not only about nutrition, it's about so many other things. Meat is a a very, very exceptional food. Um, There's no food that is so symbolically heavy as meat yeah uh, only maybe bread approximated a bit because of the christian connotations or maybe rice in asia uh, but otherwise there's no food even getting close to the symbolic layers that meat has been accumulating all over the, the, the centuries and millennia
0: and so, so on. On that note, though, I mean, so let's just talk about the straight up nutrition side of things because I, I do, I definitely want to get more into the, um, y- you know, the emotional side of things. Let's put it that way. But from a nutritional standpoint, I mean, you know, the 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 studies now, and I say studies again very loosely, but the reports, the the news, the whatever it is, where you know, people who are pushing more of a vegetarian, vegan agenda. You know, are sort of citing that, you know, meat is just so terrible for you. It acidifies your body. Um, it's got no fiber. So, therefore, you know, you're like, you, you can't eliminate toxins and bowel movements slow down and all sorts of other stuff. I mean, where do you sort of start with that? Um, you, you know, and I, I know these are very complicated questions that we're asking here, but, you know, why is it from a health standpoint that meat causes disease, so on, you know, you know, so to speak? Yeah. Yes.
1: Um, well, I think the main problem we're facing nowadays is that within the field of nutrition, we somehow lost um, direction. We have been overtaken by an, an overemphasized field of nutritional epidemiology that is valuable as such, but that has lost its purpose. Um, I don't know if what you're do you aware mean by of all. That? Well, it is. It, it, Epidemiology is basically trying to figure out connections between certain populations eating in a certain manner, trying to get data on how they eat and linking it to the health markers within the population. Okay, that's what epidemiology is doing. Mm -hmm. But it is basing itself, first of all, on very imprecise data uh, because it uses the food questionnaires, which are criticized uh, quite a bit lately. And of course, people are trying to, to, to improve them, but they're still uh they're still vulnerable to all kinds of mistakes and biases and so on right so the
0: data to begin with is not very robust mm-hmm. that's one and, thing. And i mean so I just want to interject there like do you feel it's not robust i mean this is simply because people are essentially self reporting right and mm-hmm. and we're we're relying on we're i guess what the way I look at that is it's difficult to control all of the variables, right? Like if I go to 10 people's homes and they're all having a steak for dinner and I say, okay, check, you're all having a steak, that's great. But one person's also smoking a pack of cigarettes, but the next person's doing yoga and the next person is a professional athlete. You know, now all of a sudden you're just throwing a whole bunch of variables into that where you can't then say, well, you know, all people eating meat are gonna get X, you know? Yeah,
1: yeah. That, that, that's already a
0: second point. It's very valuable, but it's a
1: second point. It, it's the next step, which is already bringing in trouble. Um, people have to, first of all, people have to recall what they've been eating over a certain period, which is already very difficult. Try to remember what you ate last week. It's not very easy yeah. to do. <laughs> True. Uh, and, and then you have to report on that. And for instance, they will ask you how many processed meats did you eat? And then, what is processed meat in the first place? Would you compare a dry-aged ham from, from the Mediterranean with uh, chicken McNuggets? You know, yeah, true. They get <laughs> filled into the same box, and it confuses the whole story. Uh, they have also seen there's a study that showed that vegetarian people tend to cheat. So you, what, what they're reporting is not the same. Uh, that, that you know, if you compare what they're doing in practice with what they're reporting in the questionnaires. That can be different. People are not necessarily reporting what they're doing because they want to come. uh, They want to give the impression that they're being healthy. You know, they they don't want to say that. They don't want to admit that they're living in unhealthy ways. So often they're cheating. And then secondly, is the point you're mentioning. You have these confounding factors, and epidemiologists try to correct for those. They try to correct for the effect of smoking. They try to correct for the effect of obesity and so on. But then again, if you want to correct for every single lifestyle factor, that's very difficult. And yeah. what's very interesting to, to, to see is also that if you compare epidemiology that um, looks at data from Asia, uh, China, and, and these kinds of countries, you see that you don't find the same correlations as you find them in the United States. And Europe yeah. is somewhere in between. So you have clearly a cultural effect. And that is because simply confounding is so important. So if, if you want to correct for every single thing that, that humans do in
0: their, in their dietary behavior, that is almost impossible. And so you have that, to be aware. I mean, do you think just on a, on a sidebar for a second, I mean, do you think we will ever figure it out then, given that, just given the complexity of what we're talking about? I, I think the correlation is not causation kind of thing is very important. Mm. And, and you have
1: to, and I th- are you aware of the work of John Ioannidis from Stanford? Uh, he's, not really, no. He's, he's doing very important uh, science at the moment. He's looking at the science of nutritional sciences, basically. He's looking at, at it from above. And he's trying to say that the way we've been using nutritional biology is fundamentally wrong. We're trying to use it to prove all kinds of absurd things, that if you eat so much chocolate, you will live so much longer. If you, if you eat too much of this, you'll die. So, this, are, this is the wrong way to look at things. We yeah. should... We we define nutritional epidemiology as something that can give a direction and should be validated by randomized controlled trials, intervention studies, robust data. And we should also try to revalorize the more fundamental biological, physiological sciences. Uh, The way that endocrine responses uh, are triggered, how do Mm -hmm. hormones react to nutrients, um, how does our metabolism um, react on a certain you know, flux in, inside yeah. our tissues. That's the way we have to look at nutrition. The, the, how does the machine work? So not yeah. only what are people eating, what comes out of that, because it's so confounded and so biased and, and, and also the correlations are so weak that basically you cannot conclude a thing. We have to go back to, first of all, what is our species-appropriate diet? What are we supposed to eat as humans? As we are talking about a cat or a cow, you put a, you put a cat on meat, it's a carnivore. You put a cow on grass. If you don't do that, they, they're not very well. <laughs>
0: they, they'll both get
1: sick, depending they on... They will get sick. Yeah. So why do we look at it differently for, uh, for humans? We,
0: yeah. we are, at- well, and, and this, this, this is, I've always you know this is something that I've really stuck to Um, In my whole career is I've always said to people, I'm like, listen, if you're as I'm a practitioner, right? So, I mean, I Mm -hmm. I help people in a clinical setting and I've always said to my students, I'm like, look, if you, if you start pushing one type of agenda from a dietary standpoint, it's not going to work out well for you because some people will respond very well. And some people are going to get worse and that's just how it works, you know? So yeah and i've always had a problem with people pushing one type of agenda because i feel like either they're selling a product or they've written a book or they've got a program or they've got something that caters to that narrative that they're that they're spewing out and then it's very easy for them to go and cherry pick the data and you know statistically find something that's of relevance yeah. And then, of course, on a larger scale, we can all go and, you know, now with the internet, you can just go and um, browse and, you know, type in meat will kill you and you'll find a whole bunch of quote unquote studies that will corroborate that. And, you know, and it just goes on and on and on. And I think what this is doing for people is really uh, leaving people at a disadvantage, but also leaving people very confused. Um, Yeah you know absolutely I, yeah you know, so just to bring us back on point i mean I, I totally agree with you that we do have to start looking at our biology simply put um but that's easier said than done hmm. yes that's easier said than done because indeed it is a field of specialists and they're working
1: in their little corner and they're not involved into the policy making as uh, other people clearly are um they are we, we have to make bridges nowadays we have to make bridges between different expertises and 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 move forward, not turning in circles as we're doing now. Mm-hmm. It, it is fundamentally wrong to make one universal diet. You've seen the Atlantic reports where they want to make a planetary diet and impose it on the planetary population. I, I actually wrong. just
0: I just I just posted that today with my note, with my thoughts on that, and I'm like, wow, okay, great. So this is not going to work out well for a huge segment of the population. No, it is completely absurd. Every
1: single person is different. Um, we have ethnic uh, effects from, from our backgrounds, from our ancestors. What, what were they eating? How have they been adapting to, to shifts in diets over different generations? Uh, we have indiv- inter-individual differences. The way we react to, to certain foods is, com- is different from person to person. Think, for instance, about um, how we convert uh, alpha linolenic acid to, to, the, to the long-chain fatty acids yeah. that we need in our brains and so on. This conversion is so different from one person to another. It really plays in how you can deal with vegetarian, with vegan diets. Let's say, so not everybody is as robust to a plant-based diet. Some people really need, you know, the, the, the nutrients that their body requires. And, and 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 imposing monolithically one single diet as the solution for a planet is completely absurd.
0: Mm-hmm. And so, do you feel? I mean, now, like, obviously, the sort of. Uh, Anti-meat agenda really started back in the fifties with uh, you know guys like Ansel Keys, for example, who went off the deep end on saturated fats and cholesterol causing heart disease. And I feel like from there, you know, it's it's always been like as for myself growing up, I'm sure you experienced it. You know, people sort of saying, "Well, what, watch how much red red meat you eat. You know, you're going to get a heart attack." Blah blah blah. Yeah. And I mean, w- what are your you know, because cholesterol is is a I think for our listeners, you know. Uh, cholesterol is an, an important thing it's a very misunderstood thing and mm-hmm. i think that there's still a, a common belief out there that you know eating too much red meat is going to cause high cholesterol which will cause heart disease i think that's probably one of the biggest questions yeah. when you start getting into the paleo slash you know high fat low carb uh, community right and ketogenic for, for that matter yeah. as well. so what are yeah. your what are your thoughts on that and what what do you how do you feel about that
1: well it's it, it, it is it, it is really very symptomatic of what is going wrong in, in, in nutrition nowadays, the way we look at cholesterol. We have this heritage from Ansel Keys and, and probably before, I think the whole thing indeed uh, is, is late 19th century where suddenly, again, and we come back to the symbolism of meat, when meat, meat was advanced as as was put forward as something sinful. You know, meat was provoking lust. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, uh, and from there on, Seventh-day Adventists have been have been uh, picturing meat as something evil and something bad for you, and it was finding a perfect fit with with the cholesterol narratives that developed later in the 50s, 60s, 70s, and so on, when Ansel Keys uh, took stage, mm-hmm. uh, and and it, it just it just it it contradicts everything we know about biology and physiology and and uh, anthropology. It doesn't make sense. We, we have. Uh, Siberian nomads that eat nothing but meat. We have the Inuit that eat nothing but meat. And and uh, so, uh, a case that I like to mention uh, is the one of uh, the, the Inuit living in the north of Canada, mm-hmm. northern Quebec, the, where the Nunavik food guide has been developed. And, and basically what happened there, and, and I think this is really... I, I mention this case very often because I think this case is very important, very symptomatic of what is going wrong. It shows uh, uh, how... Western thought is trying to reorient the Inuit towards a healthy diet. So basically what happened, we stepped in, the West stepped in and and said to those Inuit, look, we are the Western people and we bring you civilization. And it didn't take very long for them to to, um, embrace the Western diet. You know, starches, oil, and so on. Of course, they developed diabetes, they developed metabolic syndrome, obesity, and so forth. And they all got really bad. So of course the authorities have seen that and they said, but you're eating completely the wrong way. You know, those people were eating uh, 95% of their food was basically animal-based. It, um, it was seal and, and, and fish and, and who knows what. whale yeah, well blubber and stuff like that. Exactly. Yes. So uh, we took them away from their ancestral diets. We put them on something which is a horrendous diet. They all developed chronic diseases. And then we have the nerve to tell them that you're eating the wrong way. We should develop you a food guide. So they developed this food guide, which is uh, not a food pyramid. It's a food uh, igloo. Um, <laughs> and uh, it has several layers. And the bottom layer is is, is crazy. It, it has fruit and vegetables. And it shows you watermelons, bananas. <laughs> what? Uh, uh, we're talking about the Arctic Circle, right? Yeah. And the next layer is, is grains, of course, and then you will have uh, milk and alternatives, so oat milk and who knows what. And then you have the top of the igloo, which is basically their traditional diet, um, in the, on, on, the, on the very top. And and then they say, look, we're gonna make, we have made this food guide, and and it is adapted to the traditional way of eating of those people, so that they can you know accept it more easily but it is a bloody Mediterranean diet. <laughs> they want to impose a Mediterranean diet to Arctic people that have been perfectly healthy for generations and generations and have been um, taken into this West, Western way of eating, developed diseases, and now we're patronizing them by saying, oh, you should eat healthier, you should follow our advice. So again, we're trying to impose this universal Mediterranean diet that doesn't exist in the first place, uh, and, and try to to impose it on on a traditional population that has no clue about th- this diet and that has no way to grow bananas in the first place. No, no or, or olives or anything else. Oh, whatever, people. anything. Yes, yeah. they have. You know, they, they have been adapting to their local ecosystem, and they have been doing that perfectly. And, and we're having, you know, they were very very healthy people. And this is really, I think, this is really representing. Um, how nutrition is losing track,
0: how it's losing touch with reality. Well, and, and yeah, and, and you know, I'll sort of like, let's, let's even open that up a little bit more because the bottom line is this, I mean, I don't know if you're familiar with the work of Dr. Weston Price from way mm-hmm. back in the day, yep. you know, and Weston Price, I mean, he traveled the world and it was at the time, you know, the timing was perfect for what he did. He traveled the world and he looked, uh, he went to very remote parts of the world, all the way from, you know, Europe to Asia, to the South Pacific islands, to Scotland, to, you know, he went everywhere. And, you know, he essentially compared, um, you know, this is really for the listeners who don't know the story, he compared Uh, the, the, through the generations, he was a dentist and he wanted to look through dental health, what was happening to the health of people. So the older generation at that time had grown up on traditional diets. So as we're talking about, depending on their location. So some, you know, for example, in Scotland, they were eating oats and fish heads, you know, for their staples. And if you go to um, uh, the Swiss, for example, they were eating lots of cheese, lots of butter, Uh, Some grains, but they didn't have a lot of fresh vegetables because they were up in the mountains and so on and so on. And what he was finding, and I think this really drives the point home, is it wasn't so much what they were eating so long as they were eating whole foods. It was the Mm -hmm. introduction of Western food and processed foods that really caused the deterioration in the children's health. Which yeah. then of course means the offspring, and we're now probably three generations on from that. So you know, so I think I think just pulling that together for us again, I don't really see that it's you know the vilification of meat is justified because for some people meat might be an absolutely terrible thing. It it might definitely you know cause problems for you and cause inflammation and whatever else. But for other people, it can be an absolute lifesaver. Yeah. You know? Yes, and,
1: and I think the point, you're right, uh, the point you're having there is very important because it, it is such a richness to have so many diets all over the planet and so many ways of fulfilling our nutritional needs. We can do it in so many ways. It's, it's, it is even, you know culturally speaking, so important for humanity to have all those diets. Let's keep them. Let's embrace them. Let's make something out of them. Let's let, let it inspire our ways uh, of, of dealing with food. It is a richness. Let's Mm -hmm. not get rid of that and make one planetary diet. I don't want to live in such a kind of planet. With one no. planetary
0: diet, I want to it's I want great. to have the diversity, and yeah, it's, I want it very have... vanilla, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh yes. Oh yes. That's it. That's good. that's it. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so so so, what are your thoughts then? I mean, because I we'll we'll get to the sort of emotional components because I think it's an important one to discuss. But let, let's shift our focus now. You know, I mean, let's say that there's you know I've always said there's seven billion, almost eight billion people on the planet. There's eight billion diets. Everyone's got their own different way of eating. Do you feel that, and I'll add this one point and then we'll shift gears, how do you feel about the emergence of um, like, looking at DNA and genotyping people in terms of how well they process types of food and that? Do, do you think that that's going to become a prominent feature in terms of individualizing diets? Yeah,
1: it, it's, it, it's a difficult one. It, it's always very reductionist. And it is not the, the um, ideal situation that they were having in mind a couple of years ago where they were thinking that certain genes will be, uh, give you a passport and it will give you like an overview of your limitations and the way you have to deal with it in, through the diet. It is not so much one-on-one. It is much more complicated.
0: Yeah. Uh, but it can, it can you know, I don't know. Well, it it's, I, 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 it's, it's in its infancy. I mean, like I, I totally I, am on board with that and I am involved with nutrigenomics. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, but I know, I mean, we're not there yet for sure. No. But, I find it very interesting because for me, you know, in terms of personalized diets, I feel that that's kind of the only thing that's really going to shine a light on it, whether we can figure it out or not. Um, I feel like it's, it will in the next maybe five to 10 or 20 years, it will be a lot more accurate and maybe give people, you know, a bit more of a direction in terms of how well you metabolize yeah. carbs, fats, proteins, and omega-3, yeah. whatever, you know. Um, but but anyway, um, I, I, I find that field interesting and, you know, we'll see where that lands up. But just let's talk about meat for a second and go back to that because... Um, you know, obviously with the emergence of paleo and high fat, low carb, and now ketogenic, you know, there's obviously a concern here from an environmental standpoint. And I know that you've, you know, you've tweeted a lot of things out there about comparing, um, statistics and really looking at things from an environmental standpoint. So what what are your thoughts on that? You know, I mean, is, is, is that type of diet, is it sustainable? Like how do we navigate the environmental road? Yeah. Um,
1: yeah, it's a good question. And it is also, it is especially important for if, if you want to have a debate on meat nowadays and, and, and you want to have a debate on, on the place of meat within societies, you would have to talk about nutrition, but you would also have to talk about the planet. And the problem is that most people that are specialising in nutrition, they have very little ideas, very little idea or very little insight about the sustainability side of the story and vice versa. Yeah. Uh, so, so it is you. You don't find a lot of people that are uh, having a debate on both sides, and you have a lot of, um, uh, you know, of shifting of the of 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 the, of the debates. Uh, so, if if you tr- if you convince somebody on one field, you will have to deal with the other field because they will shift goalposts. It's all that you have to be robust in in both fields. And the thing I want to make clear always is that I do think we have to rationalize stuff. We have to look at the way we eat meat, the way we consume it. There are probably ways to do that better or worse uh, somehow. The Mm -hmm. way we prepare meat, we have to think about those things. You know, the way we smoke meat or the way we uh, grill meat. There there are things to improve. And and the way we contextualize meat within the diet, the amounts of fat we eat and, and the kind of fat we eat, we have to think about that within nutrition. But it's even more important if you look at sustainability. Yeah. We have to organize our livestock in ways that are beneficial for the planet, yes. as much as possible. And I, I think, I, and the, and the sad story is that we're putting so much emphasis on um, binary thinking and polarizing stuff, and 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 trying to say people are defending their fields, like meat is good, no meat is bad, and we get this very polarized debate. Yeah, it's black and white, oh, right? Sorry. Yeah. Like exactly. Nothing like white. Yeah. Yes. Binary thinking, and it's and the problem is that there's so much energy going into that that people start to lose the focus. What you should do is um, accept that livestock is necessary because it is, and yes. optimize it.
0: Optimize. Yeah. It so well, and, and, and you know what's interesting? So so from the planetary health diet that just came out like a little while back, um, you know the one thing I actually did I was surprised that they were saying was that. Not everyone should be vegan, right? And I was like, okay, you know, that's the, the, at least you d- you didn't completely blow it, um, <laughs> which is great. But but the the reason why um, you know I think it's important for people to understand out there, and and I would love your comments on this because this is something that I've been saying for many years. Um, but I would love to get your your intake or input. You know, if we all, um, it's not so much about the well. If we want to move forward from an environmental standpoint, right, the one thing that people need to realize is all of their vegetables, their crops are grown in manure for the most part.
1: Okay. Mm-hmm.
0: And obviously cows and ruminants are a very important part of that. So I w- I would suspect that we're gonna have a very hard time trying to grow food for fertilizer, okay, or grow fertilizer. So that's one side of things. But I think the way forward for me is to actually posture animals more. Instead mm-hmm. of growing food uh, for the animals, right? So corn, soy, and so on, and us all eating a little bit less meat. So mm-hmm. I, I think that that's like at least a, a road to you know shoot for. But what are your thoughts on that? You know, eating less meat, raising animals better, more ethically, and pasturing them. Yeah.
1: Yeah, well, uh, yes. Raising animals more ethically is an, is an important point. The way we feed animals, the way conversion efficiencies are are being dealt with, and especially also the way that the planet globally is moment, is is now look is now dealing with livestock, because there are some very very inefficient processes taking place in different parts of the world. Which what, are generating... what, do you, what do you mean by that? Perhaps you can elaborate on that for us. Yes. Well, just for, just as an example, if you look at at the the, the emissions. Uh, from cattle in places like India, where people hardly consume any animal products. Well, they have some dairy, but they eat very little meats. You have uh, very small, so a couple of kilograms, very little. I don't know exactly the number yeah, by heart They have the,
0: the, the caste system or, or something like that, right? Yes, where...
1: there are all kinds of cultural reasons why 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 they uh, eat little meats. But it's also the way to deal uh, with, with the cattle. It's, it's the way we deploy cattle over certain areas. Um, we, we have to Dedicate certain parts of the planet to livestock because on certain parts of the planet, we cannot do otherwise than having livestock. You cannot grow food in certain parts of the planet. If It's also it's also very typical. It's again the very Western uh, approach to it. If the way we, we talk about meat and about livestock damaging the planet and damaging our bodies, try to have this discourse with somebody living in... You know Central Asia or, or, rural or Africa or something, rural Africa, and try to explain to those people that livestock is something you should get rid of yeah no you they, would kill will, them basically it's absolutely crazy for those people because yeah. livestock is bringing in manure traction um uh, money nutrients money livelihoods uh it, it, it it's important for the way they deal with a farming system it is it is crucial to their uh you know, to the sustainability, to the sustenance, it's, it's yeah. very, very important. Yeah. And, yeah. and we come in as Westerners and we say, ah, actually, those people that have, you know, deficiencies in, in iron, in zinc, in B12, and so, name it, protein, yeah. they yeah. have yeah. those deficiencies and they really crave for meat because they, they know that, the, you know, the value is there, nutritionally speaking. And, and we, are as Westerners, we say, oh, no, that, that red meat, we don't want that, it gives us cancer. <laughs> yeah, eat, eat more kale, grow, grow fields of kale <laughs> yes. in the middle of the desert <laughs> in Africa, yeah. go for that. For, yeah. Try and go explain this thing in these countries.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like and and, and, and and don't pretend to be a Western arrogant prick. I mean this is <laughs> this is what this is basically what we're doing. We, we're we're we' are doing we are we really saying to the to the rest of the planet now we we Westerners we have the money and we'll we we'll go plan based and, and and you people you should like
0: think about the way we're living because we're we the example. We gonna so, save so- the planet. So, so do you feel i mean I just want want to ask you more on this because I find it fascinating. what would happen if the whole world went plant based like from an <laughs> environmental standpoint, I think we would uh, need more land no it is
1: what will if, if the whole world goes plant based what will happen is that we'll grow monocultures all over the place. If you look already what's the case today if you if you look in europe and I, I know much less about about uh you know the Western part, the Western civilizations throughout the planet. What's happening in the United States, Australia, and so on. But what I know what's happening in Europe. Uh, Europe is having it's, its like the United Kingdom takes its vegetables and fruits from from Spain, right? And and you have places like Almeria where they are having these greenhouse uh, expansions that that go on for you know forever. And and they're all greenhouses. And there's no there is no ecosystem in place anymore. It has been taken over by, by fruit and vegetable yeah. production. And, yeah. and, and, and I feel this is where we're going. If we are going to live on, 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 on beans and soy and, and, and corn and, and those kind of crop, monocrops, are we going to have monocultures all over the place? We're going to have to uh, deliver uh, fertilizers, you know, chemical fertilizers. We're yeah. gonna, it's, it's just not sustainable. It's, 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 it's a nightmare. I think it's an ecological nightmare to go fully plant-based. It will never work
0: yeah and, and and i mean and this is this is why I mean even the World Health Organization for whatever they're worth um you know they they uh they've come out and they've said small scale organic farming that is you know we've got a lot of farms here in Canada that are doing organic farming and they're closed loop systems you know where they're yes. using horse manure and sheep manure and cow manure from neighboring farms or they have animals on the farm to provide the manure they've got water. Uh, right there as well and they're kind of doing everything you know they've they've they're they're farming animals and vegetables all together and they're finding that their their sort of um footprint if you will is actually very low and you've got guys like joel salatin from polyface mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. just pushing for more intensive grazing of animals and you know more of that sort of closed loop sustainable kind of farming and and i mm-hmm. feel personally like that's really the way that we need to be looking At instead of saying we'll throw out animals because of emissions, it's like, well, that's a little bit short-sighted, and I feel like it's more pandering to the sort of vegan and vegetarian crowd, you know?
1: Yeah, Uh, yes, I agree. And and there there are ways, I mean, there are also ways to use livestock for mitigation purposes. We can we have carbon sinking, we have things going on, we can we can do beneficial things with livestock, but we have to have a rational debate. And if 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 you know, I want to look at the facts and I want if, if the facts show me that we have to reduce meat consumption. Well, I'll accept them, but I want to have an honest debate where things are put in perspective, where we know what is the effect of livestock, what is the effect of meat eating, how much percent does that contribute in in my daily uh, behavior towards uh, damage, uh, planetary damage. I want to have the facts on the table. I don't want to have slogans. I want to have facts, factual data, and I want to have an honest discussion about how we should organize our planet. Yeah. but that's not going on at the moment it's it's uh we, we just keep on and that's why I think that meat is still functioning as a scapegoat you know we we have uh have this we have this prehistory of meat where meat oh, the slaughtering of animals has always been very ritualized right it has yeah. been we have been uh sacrificing animals uh, to the gods it's in it's in the christian idea but it's way before that as well. The ancient and, and it's
0: all over the world. I mean, it's, it's it, all over the world. Yes, yeah, we yeah. have been,
1: and, and somehow, for some reason, this is still valid today. We are using meat as a scapegoat. We are, are using meat to to project all our anxieties about different sorts of things: the planet, our own health, um, uh, general violence, uh, the way we deal with animals. All our anxieties are being projected on meat. It carries all
0: our sins and all our anxieties. It is remarkable, and um, um, and and so so that that's really what the sort of emotional component is that you were that you've been sort of alluding to, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. yes. So 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 I mean, and this is an important side of things as well because, you know, let's face it: if we were all you know shunt back five hundred years ago and running around in loincloths with spears, I think um, three quarters of the population would probably die, because they don't we don't have the capacity to really kill for our own food anymore, right? We've just lost that through industrialization (laughs) and evolution, obviously. And so I think that maybe for me anyway, I mean, I feel like that that's that's perhaps where some of the emotional roadblocks creep in. And this is why we're seeing the rise of veganism and vegetarianism, you know, because on a surface level, like, oh, I'm gonna have to go and kill that goat if I want to eat. And it's like, well, no, you don't have to, because now you can go and eat soybeans and you can eat whatever else. But if yeah. you were faced with it, if you had to, which would have been you know five hundred, a thousand, ten thousand years ago, you would have had to do it, otherwise you would have died. And yeah. so I find that it's an interesting sort of thought process, you know? Absolutely. And 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 also I've been I've been looking a bit
1: into you know the the, the way you know the very militant fundamentalist vegans are talking about their Their vision and their worldviews, and it is frightening. It is really frightening the way they look at things, where you have these uh, ideas about, um, you know, some of them really would rather have no animal life on the planet at all rather than to have them suffering. You no,
0: know, and so, I mean, I'll get a little cynical here for a second, because if you really boil it down, I mean, if there's too many animals on the planet, um, that would mean if you wanted to get rid of them, we should all be eating more animals, right? Um, so, <laughs> I mean, yeah. just think about it, like, logically, that 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 would make sense. Um, again, I'm just being a little tongue-in-cheek for listeners, I, yeah. I totally get it. <laughs> But,
1: but they but, have it more because what you're putting there is very is very uh, tangible and, and they don't like so much tangible things. They have more this kind of thought experiments where they talk about you know a button and if you press that if you would if there would be a button and you would press it imagine if you would yeah. press it and all animals would disappear without suffering uh, yeah. would
0: you press that button and you would accept that there's no animal life on the planet anymore? But well, and this, the, this is the other thing, right? I mean, you know, so great. If we don't want to eat animals, then eventually what would happen is we would stop. Um, there would be no more sheep. There would be no more chickens. There would be no more cows. They would cease to exist. And so, you know, it's kind of interesting from a philosophical thought process to sort of go, okay, great. So we're not going to eat them. Uh, that means that you love animals so much that so we don't eat them and let them go extinct. <laughs> Which is yes. kind of like a, a weird thing to think about, but it's actually the reality of it all yeah yes i don't want to generalize
1: it for the whole you know plant based population of course i mean it's also you have to admit that it's a, it's a heterogeneous population you have different views but there's a fraction in there that is really um philosophically if you look at it from a philosophical point of view they they they're really saying very very bizarre things that are frightening and it is this obsession between um, about death it's it's is mm-hmm. this thinking about how they, they want to separate death from life and, and you cannot do that. And if you start doing that and, and you want to get rid of death, you're getting so much obsessed by it that at the end, your, your vision on things becomes uh, almost a death uh, cult. You know, you look, you're trying to, you have seen this also, this, this scenarios for sustainability where they show that having children has an impact on, 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 right. on, your, on your emissions. So at the end you start think we shouldn't have ch- children anymore uh, and at, uh, if you even think through you should not even exist anymore because you're you're damaging it's by like your a very nihilistic
0: uh, very nihilistic mindset it's a nihilistic
1: mindset and it's very frightening it's it's a very dark way of looking at things and mm-hmm. i think we have to we, we have to rearrange we have to really to to go back to we have to get in contact with reality again we have to understand mm-hmm. that life and death are one thing we have to accept that that is the case. And we have to, especially to get back in connection with our food system. We have to understand yeah. where food comes from yeah. and we have to acknowledge it, you know, face it. And this is your food. It's it's coming from, even if you're vegan, animals will be killed. It, yeah. it is inevitable. And and let's not, let's not try to, you know, ignore that or, or try to expel it from our lives and, 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 and single it out. It leads to very Again, very Western binary thinking about nature, culture, uh, you know, it, it's, it's still helpful. We have to get in contact again with our, with our food
0: chain, and, and we have to start with children, yeah. especially yeah and i you know i I really agree with a lot of what you're saying. You, you know, I think that especially in the Western culture, everything's just in the grocery store. you know, you just you <laughs> go to, you, you go to the store, you buy what you need, and that's the end of it, and you you can literally sit and watch TV and eat while you're watching it and not even know what you're eating. you know you could just be eating anything. and you know people have really lost contact and connection with where their food comes from. How it's grown, where it's grown, what's gone into it, and you know, if you look at traditional cultures, um, you know, I always, I've always put this into perspective for people in my classes: is if we were all on an island and we had limited resources and limited food, you would be a lot more careful about the way that you approach things, and you yeah. would also be a lot more open-minded about the way you approach things because, you know, you wouldn't just, um, and and again, just hypothetically here, you wouldn't just kill an animal and Carve up a T-bone steak and throw the rest away. You know, you would yeah. you would take the hide, you would make clothing out of it. You would use the bones to make stuff. You know, this is what traditional cultures uh, did, which is essentially what charcuterie is. You know, you use yes. all of the an, all of the parts of the animal, um, and we just don't do that in our culture. And and I feel like there's 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 a lot to be um, a lot to be revisited there. Absolutely, I I fully agree, and I think it's it's a matter of respect
1: also. I think if you if you kill an animal. I think it's a matter of respect that you don't reduce it to the expensive cuts, and then the rest is like you know garbage. you have to. I mean, there's wonderful food out there. You know, liver and kidneys and brains. It's Mm. wonderful food. Um, I mean, why we why we don't accept that anymore? That this is valuable food. It's packed with nutrients.
0: It is very tasty. It is gastronomically fantastic. Yeah. Let's put it back on the table. Well, I, th- I think part of the reason why is we're just overproducing meat. You know, I mean, if you look at the statistics in Canada, um, farm animals outweigh people four to one. So yeah. I'm going to say that again. If you actually weighed all of the farm animals and you weighed all of the people, the, the animals outweigh us four to one. And and yeah. this is this is a country with 36 million people. So my whole thing is like, who are you selling it to? Because you go across the border here and there's 360 million people and there's a ton of farms there as well, way more than we got here. So I just think that we're just overproducing things. And because we have an overproduction, this is why we have so much food waste. You know, people just throw it away. Like, who cares? It doesn't matter. Um, Yeah. And and then then food waste for for animal products is much lower than for for
1: plant-based products in, in the first place. But it's anyhow, it is indeed, you're true, it's absolutely correct. We, the way we deal with consumption is wrong. The way we hyper consume, the way we buy things all the time, and most of it we don't, we never use it. And mm-hmm. with food, it's not much different. We're buying things, we throw them away, we, we eat stuff that we don't really need, that have no nutritional value. We, it's, not, it's not the way we should deal with resources. And, and I, 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 this is the thing, I, one of the few things I agree with with the Eat Lancet kind of approaches. Um, if we want to save this planet, we have to think differently. And we have yeah. to think differently about food waste. We have to think differently about how we deploy our resources. But I want it to be fact-based, and I don't want to have these extreme ideas on the table. I want to, 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 to I mean, I would, I would like to see, uh, again, that we appreciate where the value is, you know, what is valuable for us. And hmm. animal products are very, very valuable if you look at nutrients and yeah. especially the things which throw away nowadays.
0: Um, oh, yeah. awful, I mean, awful yeah, is going exactly. to China. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so are you are you finding, I mean, because you teach about this stuff um, at a university level, right? Like, you, are you having these types of discussions with students like what's what's sort of going on on university campuses over there? Um, you know, is there pushback or are people open-minded or what's, what's going on over there?
1: Well, yeah, you know, we, we, we having, uh, in these times we having, uh, we have a certain generation, which is very vulnerable for, for ideological discourses. You know, mm-hmm. it's, we having, uh, young people and, and they're confused and they hear all kinds of stories. And, um, I'm I'm not, Focusing the whole discus- discussion so much on 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 meat only, of course. I mean, of course, a, yeah, of course. Course. I, have, I have a one course which is about animal products and, and you know technology of animal products and how we we process those things and where where you obtain them and so on. Uh, so I address these issues, of course, but it's 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 more general. It's it's and it's not even my biggest concern only. I mean, I am of course specialized in animal products and that's yeah. my it's my core expertise and I talk about those things um, you know on a daily basis, but. Um uh, my, my concern is larger than that. I want to have a discussion and I want, I want to have, you know, I, I try to provoke thoughts sometimes and I want to have mm-hmm. discussions about how we look at food and how we, sh- we, 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 we lost our, our uh, common sense when we
0: yeah. talk about food. No, and, and, and I mean, that that's why I have you on the show because uh, I think, you know, we have a lot in common in, on that, in that sense, you know, where I think looking at things and encouraging critical thinking and open-mindedness and nuanced discussions is really the way forward here if, if we want to progress um, at all. But, um, you know, just to sort of bring us into the close here and <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I, I want to get your thoughts. Um, this is a, a bit of a curveball, but um, this whole rise of lab-grown, Meats and cultured meats. Um, what are your thoughts on that well that that is that's exactly
1: the kind of thing that i i i I would like to avoid in in our civilization i don't think it's a step forward i i really it really will emphasize again this nature culture you know dualism and you know you you feel this narrative um being more and more emphasized where, where you have uh, this half a planet kind of scenario—you separate it. You know, you have half nature, half culture. And in the culture part, you will make lab meats, and you will uh, have uh, tower buildings that will produce your food. And you should leave nature aside. You shouldn't touch it. You should have biodiversity there. And within the, within the culture part, you should you know be high tech and produce food. I I, I don't think it's a good idea. I think it's a very um, optimistic experiment and i don't want i don't like experiments with nutrition and food. We have seen so many examples of nutrition experiments going wrong oh yeah well, we're, and, we're we're and, dealing
0: with the health consequences exactly, and environmental yes. consequences right now i mean oh yes you know, p- pick one whether it's pesticides <laughs> or genetically modified food yeah. or antibiotics or hormones in the food or whatever it is i mean we we've already done that um, yeah. my concern i think more than anything with this sort of um Going the bioengineering and biotech route is the, field, the thing that kind of makes me feel a little bit uncomfortable is going high tech like that means that you're essentially putting all of your food production in the hands of biotech companies and not farmers. True. Yes. Um, and yes. when I say biotech, I don't mean the Monsanto's of the world. I mean people in a lab now that oh. are growing that are growing meat in a petri dish, for example. Um, that 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 I just can't see how that's going to scale up. And even if it does scale up, you know, I think about things like photonic energy and sun energy and nature like it's completely detached from nature and ironically it's it's the it's the vegan and vegetarian communities that are really pushing for it and i'm like Mm -hmm. it's just it's a bizarre mindset because i'm like Weren't you just telling me yesterday that yesterday that I can get all my protein from plants, and now you're telling me that you want to grow meat in a lab in a building, and that's the way forward? I'm like, it just—I don't know. There's something that's a little bit, um, a little yeah, bit- And and then, and, and, and you know, they're torn apart by this idea about having natural diets, which are
1: plant-based. It's, it represents nature, and then on the other hand, they have to supplement it with right. With, well, right. you know, there's something not going right in that discussion, and and I, I, I absolutely agree with what you're saying. We're making. Uh, we're putting a lot of faith in 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 technology, and 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 I'm t- I'm talking here as as a process engineer, <laughs> in the first place. Right. So I'm not against technology. Yeah, right. I'm 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 absolutely pro technology and about improving things through. Te- I mean, technology is our main asset. As that's what made us so prominent on this planet because of technology. We are here because of technology. So yeah. technology is very very important. But I don't want to overstate it. I don't want to put all, all our trust in experiments that can go horribly wrong. I mean, yeah. if those people want to go for that, let, let them develop a spaceship and <laughs> let yeah. them go into space with all their high-tech and, and and I hope they do fine. But let's also keep a planet for people that want to, to remain human and that want to cherish their their uh, their background, their cultural heritage as humans. And, and, uh, and because at, at the end, that's what we are. We have such a rich richness uh, on so many levels. Mm-hmm. It's about food or about farming or about, you know, the way we, we organize our societies throughout the centuries and millennia. It's, it's very, very important for, for, for civilization. And we're trying to brush that away and, and start press a reset button where we somehow going to gonna make a new system out yeah. of nothing and, yeah. and hope everything goes well. I don't trust that. I'm really, really concerned about those ideas and, uh, I think we have to improve what's in place, and and very much so. I think I think we really have to improve certain things and and put all our efforts in improving that. But I'm very much against uh, this kind of bizarre, crazy, high-tech experiments that can really go fundamentally wrong, and that yeah. will be the end of everything.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, and I right. I mean yeah, we agree on that for sure. Um, you know, the way I see things moving forward is really we we have to adopt a completely different way of thinking we have to evolve in our thinking and then also look backwards you know into looking backwards towards the future you know where we can use modern technology we can use um you know, progressive ways of thinking, but we can also merge them with traditional ways of doing things. And I, I sort of see that that's perhaps a path that we need to be looking forward um, to, to with, you know. Um, but Frederick, so um, I'm going to wrap it up there. Um, is there any, you know, where can we find you, anything that you're up to, um, you know, websites, Twitter handles, any of that stuff that you want to share with people before you, uh, before we wrap up today?
1: well I, I i have so many <laughs> so many paths to <laughs> to travel on in, in in the coming months uh i i you know i i, I have my academic duties within my expertise I, I we have the whole uh discussion on on the place of animal products within uh, healthy diets i'm I'm a bit you know i don't know where to go and <laughs> where, where my direction is really but yeah, people can yeah. follow me on twitter okay uh, great. And uh, I don't know, should I...
0: No, that's okay. I will. um, uh, What I'll do for those of you listening out there, I'm going to put Frederick's um, uh, whatever links he wants to share with you. Check out the show notes uh, for today, and um, you can catch up with him on Twitter and wherever else uh, he he shares. Um, And uh, Frederick, thanks so much for for coming on the show. It was a great discussion, and you know we could probably spend another three hours unpacking more of this, (laughs) um, but we don't want to bore our listeners and um, you know give listener fatigue. Um, So I think um, yeah, you know, thanks again for your insight sites and um I, I always you know love watching what you're posting and the discussions that unfold around that um especially on twitter because twitter is uh, possibly the most polarized place on the planet uh, in, in, in 260 characters or whatever it is <laughs> uh, so uh thanks frederick um you have yourself an awesome day and uh for you guys out there listening um, I hope you, you know, I hope you enjoyed today's show and at least got you thinking about things a little bit differently. Um, as always, if you did enjoy today's show, please consider sharing, subscribing, reviewing, and uh, of course, um, I would love to hear your comments. You know, we. Um, this is a very very hot topic uh, just in terms of public discussion and discourse and um, you know there's a lot of arguing over this so i would love to hear what your thoughts are and which side of the fence you sit on and why and all of that good stuff so frederick um thanks so much for coming on the show thank you it was uh, nice to (laughs) talk to you i enjoyed it and well we'll be in touch yeah awesome all right and for those of you listening out there you have yourself a great day we'll catch up with you next episode bye for now